do 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 Here we go. My name's Todd. And this is Kathy. Welcome back to another episode of Zen Parenting Radio. This is podcast number 332. Why listen to Zen Parenting Radio? Because you'll feel outstanding. And I always remember our motto, which is that the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. On today's show, using your energies wisely. Correct. Sounds like a good idea. Yes. And then you also have something called here illumination. And then uh, I have a few things that I want to throw in as well. Are you going to talk about your paddleboard? Um, yeah, maybe I'll talk a little bit about my paddleboard. Um, I'm I don't write very often, and that didn't come through to me. By the way, did you get my email? Yeah, I just responded okay. to okay. it. Okay. Um, but you know, I'm trying to writing is a labor for me and I don't even enjoy it. I think it's a labor for you, but you enjoy it. So it's not a labor of love. It's a labor of labor. I don't know. Sometimes I feel compelled to write. So I went on my paddleboard, not mine, my sister's paddleboard on Saturday. I wrote a blog and it's going to be on my website, uh, toddadamscoaching.com after you make it better. My email to you was here's, here's a blog. Make it better. <laughs> and it didn't come through. I couldn't read it. So, so. it should say co-authored because you're going to like, you You uh, do a good job of uh, making it more concise. Taking out the wordies. Taking out a lot of the words. And I remember that from English class. Mr. Bandicari, mm-hmm. Loyal Academy, mm-hmm. he said, use less words. Mm-hmm. Use less words. Mr. Bandicari was also a teacher for Bill Murray. Ah, cool. Bill, He's Bill a Loyola Murray. boy. Yes, good. Bill Murray so went to my So the school. process of writing is putting together a bunch of words and then carving it down. It's kind of like making a sculpture. Yeah. Like first you got to throw all the mud and clay and everything up there and just kind of get all of it out there. Yeah. And then you've got to carve it down. Kind of like in one of my favorite movies of all time, A River Runs Through It. And Norman is a little boy and he is he's homeschooled by his father who's a preacher uh-huh. And he has this writing assignment from his dad, and he writes, and then he gives it to his dad. His dad says half as long, right? Less, less. And then less. he goes back and he does it again, half as long, and he does that three times, and then finally he says, "Good, now throw it away." So, do you think that was an English assignment or a parenting assignment? I think it was an English writing assignment. Huh. Why do you think it was a parenting? I mean, I, I'm sure the one of my favorite parts of that scene. He says, "Now throw it away." That's detached from what you just it did. It means nothing. It means nothing. Mm-hmm. Other I'm than, just trying to teach you how to do it. Other than the process. Right. But this piece of paper with these words on it. Everything in life is the process. And then he goes and he goes fly fishing with his brother, Paul. Yes. Beautiful Paul. Sweetie, sweetie loves. I do. Them. I love that movie. He wants to hang out with Paul. I wish I lived in Montana in the 1940s or 20s, whenever that was. Don't, don't be like Brad Pitt and do bad things, though. I know. He did good things and bad things. See, he was a great character because he was also ahead of his time. He didn't believe in oppression. He didn't believe in taking advantage of others. Um, but he also made poor choices in – it's interesting. He didn't believe in taking advantage of others, but he was a bootlegger, yeah. wasn't he? Uh, he was a gambler. Gambler. He, he was a drunk. Wasn't he a bootlegger? Didn't he sell it to No, you're thinking of Untouchables, sweetie. You know what I'm thinking of? What? I'm mixing up Legends of the Fall. Oh, there you go. With another Brad because he's a similar character in that. Another Brad Pitt movie. Brangelina had we a tough week. We haven't discussed that. They had so a tough week. I don't let's really, not. Yeah, let's not. Not because I don't care about them because I'm very sad for them, but I'm not into the gossip of it. Yet another Hollywood couple that could not make it. Well, and who knows that story, right? Mm-hmm. There, we can't look at them and say, "Oh, they didn't make their marriage work, therefore they suck." There's something there that we don't know. Spoiler alert: On a uh, river runs through it at yeah. the end of the movie. Paul, so spoiler alert, if you don't want to know what happens, fast forward 30 seconds. Paul is found dead and his dad is just distraught and he says to Norman, um, what do you think happened? And Norman says, the only thing I really know about Paul is that he was a great fisherman. You remember his response? And he was beautiful. He's like, he was more than that. He was beautiful. Yes. Which he was. He was full of life. Oh, yeah. He was alive. Loved it. Loved it. All right. So so I went paddleboarding. And I just had some kind of metaphorical life lessons. So just a few that I'll share with you is that um, I went out there and there was a slight breeze out of the south. But when I got into the lake, I realized that there were these huge swells. And I'm not good on stand-up paddle boards to begin with. So life is full of surprises. That's one of my things because I was surprised and I was kind of scared too. And sometimes life is hard and sometimes life is painful. My first time trying to get up, 
I almost dislocated my middle Ooh, finger because I tried to catch myself and that board's hard. Then your 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 Yoda fingers would have gotten more Yoda. And I got a pinky finger that's kind of Todd got some crazy fingers. Um, and then um, when you fall, you get back up. That's right. And I have like a little few sentences after each one. Sometimes fear creeps in, and sometimes it grabs you by the throat. Good. So what happened? Or was, not good, but you know what I mean. Yeah. I was out there and everything was fine, and then I fell kind of hard one time. I kept falling. I fell like twenty times in the first twenty minutes. I mm. could not stand up on this board, and then one time I fell kind of hard, and I was a few hundred yards off out, and I my little boy inside me started getting release immediately. Was scared. Like, what if the leash falls off? You know, you have, yeah, you're, you're your tethered leg. to mm-hmm. your ankle. Did you have your life jacket on? I didn't. Oh, see, that was that's a problem right there. I know, but what are the odds of the leash falling off? They're very minimal, but you can avoid the fear creeping in if you just put a life jacket on. So that's true. And that's what we're getting to about use your energies wisely. That's right. Okay, but keep going. So, and then I thought, well, what, you know, I I started, you know, I started making up a story in my head. Like, what if all these bad things happen? What if I hit my head on the board? What if there's a riptide? I know it's Lake Michigan, but there is a tide to Lake Michigan, actually. And then I I got, I panicked as if I was six years old all over again. Mm -hmm. And I was really scared for a few moments. And I'm like, breathe. Mm -hmm. Remember that you've swam triathlons where mm-hmm. you've swam a mile. Yeah. And I was I calmed down. So it was just one of those things where it just needed to it's funny how forty four year old man can dive into his seven year old scared little boy in seconds. It doesn't happen to me very often. Well, and I will even, you know, get out of the box a little further and say sometimes when the times that I have paddle boarded is I sit mm-hmm. and put my legs over the sides. Yeah. And so there's also the if there, sometimes you are like, I have to do it this way. Mm-hmm. And if you sat down and paddled on each side, right. you'd be safer and more grounded. Yeah. And that's one of my life lessons too, actually. Well, it's well, like, you know, take a break, give yourself a yeah. break and all that. Um, another, and my, I went out with my friend, Frank, my fellow co-creator of the tribes men's group, one of my best friends. And he gave me two really good, um, bits of advice, which are very metaphorical as well. One is I kept looking down to the paddleboard to keep my balance you got to look up. He said, look to the horizon. Yeah. And, you know, that's pretty metaphorical. And then um, the other is to keep paddling mm-hmm. because I was trying to balance without paddling. And it's much easier to balance when you're moving forward. Right. And that's a wonderful uh, thing to remember in life. So anyways, there's 20 of them. Maybe we'll get, by the time I post it, it'll be pared down to 10. Okay. You'll have to fix it. All right. Um, so our first partner is Tree of Life Chiropractic Care. Um, chirotree.com, Dr. Kelly, uh, she helps us twice a month, so she can help your family twice a month too, or maybe even more. Uh, chirotree.com, that's Dr. Kelly. Um, a few housekeeping notes, my dear. Remember, but then everyone clicks forward when you say that. Well, these are important though. We're giving a book away. So these are not just housekeeping notes. These are exciting things that people want to listen to. That keeps our house. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So nine people. So we uh, did an interview with Devorah Heitner, uh-huh. and we said we'll give one of our books away if you comment on our Facebook post. Oh, good. So good. we had nine comments. Good. So I need you to pick a number between one and nine, and I will pick the winner based on what it is that you, um, what it is that you do. Which word you say? I'm trying to do my grammar. The number I choose is seven. Bron Branwin Rain. Branwin Rain. So we'll reply on the comments, but uh, Branwin, if you're listening. Um, congratulations. It's a great book. Congratulations. We'll send you one of Devorah's books. Um, and we'll do the other stuff later. Okay. Okay. Do you want to start with using your energies wisely? No, I want to start with illumination. All right. What does that mean? Well, here's this quote that I read in Mark Nepo's new book. Um, I read Mark Nepo's old book, Book of Awakening, every day, but he also has a new book called The One Life We're Given, and it's a little different. It's not a daily reader, but it's got a similar feel in that they're all good stories, and good stories um, that are steeped in wisdom, okay? So it's... He's a poet. He is, and he shares a quote at the beginning of this chapter called Blind and Sighted, and he said, we are like someone in a very dark night over whom lightning flashes again and again. It's by, uh, the quote is from a guy named Mammonides. Are you sure that that's how you pronounce it? <laughs> no, I'm oh. not. But that's my best guess. Mammonides. Mammonides. It's M-A-I-M-O-N-I-D-E-S. 
close enough. Maimonides? Maimonides probably is better. M-A-I-M, it sounds like Maim. So basically, he was a, a rabbi and a philosopher and a physician. He was born in Spain. And this is the way he described consciousness, okay? We are like someone in a very dark night over whom lightning flashes again and again. So he suggests that the human journey is a constant trek through the bump and grind of our days, informed repeatedly by flashes of unified sight. So we make our way under the temporary flare of the totality of life. So bear with me on that quote. This is how I understand this, because I thought this was very, not only illuminating, but it defines illumination. What I, when I read that, I was like, that's it. Basically, what we're doing here on earth is we're walking through our days. And when he says that we're in a dark night, it doesn't mean we're like in darkness and things are bad. Think about dark darkness. Dark doesn't equal bad. Dark doesn't equal bad. Darkness often just means uncertainty. Mm. It just means like we don't know what happens next, right? Yeah. So darkness is just kind of being blind to what the next moment will bring because Nobody knows. Mm -hmm. I don't care who you are. You may think in your head, you know what's going to happen next. But as we all know, make your plans and God will laugh. You know, you just can't do that. If you want to make God laugh, tell him your plan. Exactly. And so... Or her. Or her. Or just they. Or it. Or or I'm not big into pronouns when it comes to something so grand. But the... um, the thing that's interesting, though, is we all along this journey, if you want to call it a dark journey or an uncertain journey, mm-hmm. if that feels better, we have flashes of illumination that guide us, clear things up for the moment, and help us remember why we're here. Yeah. And what does a flash of illumination look like? It can be an experience that's so joy-filled or so right or certain that you're like, this is what it means to be alive. I am now certain that life is good, that love exists, that love wins. It can be, so for a lot of people, it's meeting someone they love or having a child or having an experience of being helped or helping someone. And the, the, the metaphor or the visual description is like a flash of light above you, like an illumination, but really it's like an, it's a mental body spirit illumination where you're like, oh, this is it. Right. But here's the thing. It's a flash. It doesn't sustain. Right. And so why that's important for us to understand is when we are uncertain in our lives, that doesn't mean things are bad or wrong. At the same time, people who teach that we should be illuminated 24-7, I call baloney because that's not the truth. People who are like, every moment is grand and every – it doesn't mean that – we can't look at that in one way and say, yes, being mm-hmm. on earth, you know, like I really loved a couple of weeks ago when Louis C.K. said that he was, he pulled over his car and started crying. Yeah. And he said, and I was crying so, so hard. I won't, I won't say how he described it. And he said, and then it was so beautiful because to be alive and have those feelings mm. is so beautiful. So I'm not saying that we can't recognize the beauty and pain. We can, but not every minute is illuminated. Like we, awareness comes in flashes. And why this is important to understand is I think a lot of people are striving for a place where they're like, I want everything illuminated. I want to understand. I want to know my passion. I want to know what's going to happen. I want to be clear about this relationship. I want, and I want to know what my career path is. And I'm sorry, it doesn't work that way. Yeah. And this, the reason this kind of was important, I thought, is because we get last week we had a question from a listener who was like you know sometimes when one of my child is having children is having an emotional experience my other one needs me and how do i keep that from happening or you know my uh friend who emailed me and said sometimes i'm bored when i'm with my kids how do i keep that from happening or you know when i when i have difficult conversations with my partner it hurts and it's scary how do i keep that from happening you don't mm-hmm. sometimes you have to walk an uncertain and uncomfortable path, but then while you're walking that, you can depend on flashes of illumination. They come, but will you recognize them as such? Right. And I was going to say depend is, um, I don't, you know, it's funny. You're usually the one correcting my words, but I I wouldn't want to depend on them, or at least that's not the word I would say. I would say put you in a position to accept it when it shows up. Be open to it. Yeah. Because the reason I use the word depend is they're absolutely coming all the time. Yeah. 
They're coming all the time. But do you see it as such? Or do you say, wait, that's not what I'm looking for? Mm -hmm. Or that's not, my mind thinks it should look differently than that. Right. Okay. I had an experience that was kind of mystical one time where I was doing this, I was in this book club and it was somewhat of a a kind of a mystical book club. Like we would, um, we were studying Mary Magdalene and really going deep about ourselves. And it was, it was about five or six years ago. And I remember I had a really hard time at one of the book clubs. A lot of stuff came up Mm. and a lot of stuff came up about feeling safe in the world. And because I think we all kind of have that in our own way, like, am I safe here? You know, it kind of that, am I safe literally? And is the world a safe place? Is the universe got my back? I mean, those, it doesn't matter how you view it. It could be, you know, micro or macro. And I was driving home and all of a sudden in the sky were just flashes of red. Hmm. And it was so overwhelming to me that I had to pull over And I sat there, and the first thing I did was try and talk myself out of the fact that I just saw what I saw, which is what we always do. (laughs) And then I realized I I had been, you know, I studied yoga and studied the chakras and everything. And the the root chakra color, which is our grounding agent, our feet and our sacrum, Mm. is red. There you go. And did I then go, oh, I have it figured out. Now I understand everything. No, but it was a flash of illumination of... You're finding, and I, I can't even explain it. I don't. I can't sit here and say this is why it happened. I don't know. Right. But it brought. Nor should you really no, even need to. Know. I don't, and I don't want to pretend to. That's what annoys me when people are so certain about these things. Yeah. All I know is it made me feel alive. It made me feel like something greater was at play, and it made me feel like I was opening something up, releasing something, or becoming more aware of my own groundedness. Yeah. So I was becoming more aware of my darkness while also realizing the uncertainty, while also realizing the certainty that I was surrounded by love yeah well it's funny i have uh I, I just talked about writing this blog about the paddle board thing and i like i said i don't write very often and i had this flash of inspiration yes, when i was out there exactly what's funny is i came home the next morning it was yesterday morning sunday morning and i just started typing and i never do that it's a pain i don't like writing but i did it anyways and then this morning i woke up and i'm like you know, at, at the way it sits right now, it's 20 lessons on my paddleboard or something like that. That's what it's titled. Then I'm like, why does anybody want to have any, why are they interested in what I have to say about my lessons on a paddleboard? Mm-hmm. Yesterday or Saturday, I was in this mystical place like, oh, the whole world mm-hmm. needs to know these things that I'm realizing. And then two days later, the flash had had Beautiful gone away. Analogy. And, and I'm this, like, no, but this isn't good. You know, I started self-doubt totally. creeping. So. And I will give you kind of like to even expand that awareness is when you had the flash, the universe isn't like, go write a blog so you get likes. Yeah. The universe is like, this is inspiring to you. And anything that opens up that aliveness in you, someone will relate to, yeah. even if they haven't had the experience. Todd and I were talking this weekend. I, I actually heard an interview... Uh, it was Liz Gilbert's podcast, and she was talking to Glennon Melton. And Glennon Melton was talking about her blog and how a lot of people say, how do you start your blog, and how do you get so many likes, and how do you get so many followers, and how do I get more people to follow me? And her, I thought her, the language she used was really great because it's what I believe about this show and what I try and keep very sacred, is just take care of yourself, mm-hmm. do it authentically, Yeah. And anyone who does listen or follow, take care of them. Yeah, and forget about anybody else. Yeah. Because if you do those two things... It's fine. And it's just... And, and it's fine meaning that I don't... This is kind of our art. And I, when I say art, I don't mean like painting. This is where you and I get to like express yeah, really deep things. Yeah, it's a form things. of art. It's art. And so I'm not trying to sell it for profit. Yeah. If we make money because we have sponsors who are like, I love this show and there's alignment and we get to do a conference. I'm not saying I don't accept it. Right. doesn't mean you refuse it either. It's not the intention. And so if there are 10 people, you're like, oh, good, let's talk these 10 people. And we don't have a million, but over time, Mm -hmm. you're like, okay, let's talk to these people. And there's something really wonderful about that, that you don't wake up in the morning and say... How how can I write this blog or why should I write this blog unless everyone's interested? So if you're listening, put insert your own example exactly. of whatever that is. You know, Kathy um, has these two examples. I have my one paddleboard example. Use these two examples, three examples as a metaphor in your own life and ask yourself, I think what we're asking is, 
why are you doing this? Like, that's one of the things we're asking. <laughs> that's actually what Rob Bell's podcast, he says on the podcast, which we're going to share something from his podcast, where he says he has this buddy mm-hmm. who is really funny and doesn't have an issue with discomfort. Mm-hmm. And whenever someone's doing something that's really out of line or like literally cuts in line yeah. or says something like inter- intervenes on a conversation, he'll go, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. And Rob said he and his friends used to be really embarrassed by his friend doing this, but now they're inspired by it because he actually says, what are you doing? Yeah. And we can internalize that voice and ask ourselves, what are you doing? Yeah. Why? And I want to say something else about your your blog inspiration. Yeah. So you were out there, and because blogs exist, you could be out there on your paddleboard and go, I'm going to write about this and put this in a blog. Pretend blogs didn't exist. You could also write down notes really you know, cryptically that yeah. you only could understand and teach it like Socrates did. Yeah. You could also write it down and say, let's talk about this on the podcast. It's just like you thinking you need to stand up on the paddleboard. Mm-hmm. You can sit down and have a great experience. Right. So the 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 big thing of it is when you have the inspiration and the illumination, the flash, just use it. Well, and that's the thing. You have to, to your point, you need to be in a position to accept it. Yes. Because if you push it away and say, I will do this tomorrow, you've done that a million times where you of course. think, and then you I let an it. idea sit mm-hmm. and then it's gone. And it's so weird because you could probably even remember everything that you were going to say, but the inspiration has- The feeling is gone. Yeah. It's almost like the soul of it has left. Yeah. And it is recognizing just even if you jot down the notes, mm-hmm. like I have a notebook uh, in my meditation area because all this stuff always comes up and I'll be like you, Todd, where I think it's just so cool. Yeah. And then I'll go back and read it or think about what I wrote. And I'm like, wow, that was crazy. But it doesn't mean it wasn't worthwhile. It Maybe it's not going to be a blog, yeah. but there was something in me that was released. And that's the thing is when you have the inspiration, use it, but don't box it in thinking it's going to promote your business. Right. That's where we get lost is where we're like, if I'm having inspiration, it must mean I'm going to make money from it. Yeah. And well, or that's and that's when there's a disconnect or things are out of alignment, because I, as you and I have said in this on the show many times before, we think people by their nature are good. Of course. And think that they're trying to do good things. And then when you're trying to selfishly profit at the expense of others, but then you decide, but you still think that you're a good person and there's a disconnect between what you're feeling and what you're doing, that's when we misbehave, treat ourselves poorly, you know, insert whatever bad thing you might We betray. Yeah. We betray ourselves and others. And again, there's, when you said selfishly profit, it's all about intention. Mm. If you create a product that helps people and you put that energy in the world, then energy comes back. It's just, but when you're, when your intention starts with, I need to make money, how am I going to do it? That's got to totally, because then you are going to manipulate yourself and people to make that happen because your intention was never, I want to do a good thing. It's, I want to make money. So here's, here's another thing. Um, that I wanted to read about illumination and then we can move on. Um, this is this sentence is kind of wraps it all up. Implicit is the notion that we are all blind and sighted repeatedly. There is no permanent state of lighted understanding. So what is most important is that we practice developing what's brought to us in the illumination. So if in the illumination we recognize that we're having an experience that connects us to nature or God or something bigger, or we realize that life is bigger than these small things, then we practice bringing that in even in the darkness. Hmm. Does that make sense? Well, I think what you're saying is it's like we talk about flexing your spiritual muscle or whatever. Are you saying that the more you do it, the more you'll recognize it? Or If you have an illumination and then you have an awareness and then it comes on really strong where you're like, like, I feel alive. I understand that life is about love. Even when the our goal is to pull as much from that illumination, that flash of light, and use it even when things feel dark. And you know what that's called? Hmm. Faith. I trust that, that's, that even though right now the sky is not illuminated in red, that I am grounded in that understanding because I had the experience. Because my brain works in bullet points and not paragraphs, <laughs> okay. I'm writing this down. So okay. you're saying illuminations. Okay, you, so you, you have a flash happens. of light. Okay. That's we, step one right. is flash for it to light. occur. Right. Step two is to be aware that it just occurred. It, embrace it. Step three is to use it. 
it's a flash, right? Right. So it's not going to stay. Life is a, a series of flashes and darkness. Mm-hmm. But when we are in the darkness, when if we've had flashes, we got to continue to pull from them and use what we learned when they were lit, when they were lighting up the sky. Yeah. When I have had an awareness, like when I've had a mystical experience and I was brought to my knees and somehow heard that I need to surrender everybody and let everybody go. Mm. And it didn't mean leave them. It meant like allow Todd to have his life, allow my children to have their life. I had it in a moment where I was literally brought to my knees, but I'm not going to then that's experience is going to f- go away. And I'm going to say, well, I don't really believe that anymore. Yeah. I am going to constantly pull from that. Even when I'm scared and uncertain and thinking, oh, I don't know if that's really, I am going to remember that feeling and practice living in a way that when the sky was illuminated, I felt it. So I'm going to, I feel like I just got an illumination. Tell okay, me let's if you hear it. So in your metaphor, darkness, illumination, you know, it's even when it's like uh, nighttime and it lightnings out, yes. it's daytime yes. for a brief second. Yes. So if we have millions of people practicing what you're doing is that if we can channel this illumination and then use it, I, I think of like, we then create our own miniature light. Always. We have it. It's like a candle that we get to light. So then if we all did that, then the darkness would go away. We would light up the world. And again, it doesn't mean that darkness is bad. It can in this metaphor, but sometimes darkness just means we're uncertain. We don't know what comes next. I like where you're going because the picture I got in my mind when you said that is, imagine you're sitting, you're camping. And it's dark. And you like doing that in the dark. So do you. You love camping. Well, I do if I have a sink to wash my face. Yeah, they don't have sinks at camp. Sometimes they do. Actually, they do. And then I can brush my teeth and then I'm content. But anyway, you're sitting outside and it's dark and it smells good and it feels good. And then there's an illumination. The sky lights up and you look up and you see stars Mm -hmm. and you see mountains and you see all this beauty. And then the illumination ends and it's dark again. Do you still believe there are stars? Yeah, or they're there. You, they're there. You just can't see it. You just can't so see them the all the time. Out. Exactly. You trust that the illumination can't stay. It 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 comes in flashes. But you know it'll come back. It'll come back to sustain. A, and even when it's not flashing, it's, it's still there. there. Yeah, that's good. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think between you and I, we kind of we worked that through. Yeah. And then, so what's most important is the practice we each develop by which we bring more and more of what we see during those flashes of unity to inform our trek through darkness. Mm-hmm. And again, I'm going to read his quote. We are like someone in a very dark night over whom lightning flashes again and again. Love it. Thank you, sweetie. Yes. Um, our second partner is John J. Kelly Dentistry. He's my good friend. He's a good dentist. He helps our three children with their facial development. And if you're interested in hearing more about it, either shoot me an email at comments at zenparenting.com or you can go to his website at chicagodentistonline.com. Um, so a few other things. Um, these are upcoming things. So we had the screenager screening last night. Went Correct. beautifully. <laughs> We actually, it's it's tonight because we're taping this on Monday. So I'm sure it went well. We did sell out. But yeah, we I did. know that doesn't matter to people I actually, now. We've been refusing a few people via email, which feels Kinda good sucks. and bad at the same time. Yeah. Uh, good that we're providing something that people want to go to, bad because they want to come and we're yeah. out of space. It's kind of one of those things. So um, so that was last night. Um, Frank and I, uh, Tribe's men's group, we're doing a tribe retreat January 20th through the 22nd. I want to make sure I promote that. If there's any guys out there and they want to come to the Chicagoland area for a weekend, uh, it's the Unplug, Unwind, and Recharge Retreat. So if you're interested, go to the tribemensgroup.com. We have our conference coming up. Oh, we should talk about the early bird special. I know. It ends Friday. What is the early bird? What's the Zen Gets Real conference? So Zen Gets Real conference is February 24th, 25th, 2017. We have Rob Bell. We have Rosalind Wiseman. We have Ali Smith, who's who an article about Ali Smith went viral last week. Sweet. And it was all about his Holistic Life Foundation and about how they're teaching kids. The title of the um, the blog that went viral was, instead of det- detention, kids are being taught how to meditate. Um, and it was all about the, the school, the elementary school, where he and his brother and his friend have been teaching meditation and yoga for the past like 10, 12 years. So kudos to Ali because you know, those of you who knew about him before that article, you knew he was doing amazing things, but now more of the world knows he's going to be one of our speakers too. Um, And uh, early bird special is 
a good deal. And it it ends this Friday, September 30th. And if you miss it, obviously you can still get tickets to the conference, but you... Right? If you end up bringing a friend, if it's two of you, if you did the early bird special, you would save yourself 150 bucks. Yeah. So why wouldn't you do that? And in the words of Jose, the old plant manager at JVI that I, used, that I work at, he said, that's a lot of brewskis. Yes. That'll save a lot. That's a lot of brewskis you can buy with 150 bucks. Yes. And he said it with a... Latino accent, and I always thought it was funny. Yeah, it's a lot of brewskis, and it's just a lot of money that you can use toward maybe some food, too. <sighs> Quick plug for Dr. Shefali's Evolve Conference, mm. sweetheart. That's yes. at uh, com slash evolve-nyc. And if you are interested... Well, all you have to do is go to drshefali.com, okay. and you can see where it says the Evolve Conference. It's in New York. It's... What is the weekend again? October... October 21st through the 23rd. You're going to be there. Yeah. I'll be there Friday night and Saturday. And um, here's the thing. We have a discount code that you can use if you want to go to her conference. Um, it's just ZPR. 50 bucks off. 50 bucks off. So um, I think it's going to be a wonderful weekend. I know that last weekend or last year when she did this, I was not in attendance, but I heard magical things. Mm -hmm. And I'm really thrilled to see our friend in a few weeks. So before we go into using your energies wisely, uh -huh. I want to play a clip. Um, I've been watching these YouTube videos. They're between 15 and 20 minutes and they're just motivational ones. Okay. And I want to play a quick 20 or 30 seconds from this uh, one guy and I just want to hear your takes. So. Okay. Or what? When this goes online or whatever it is, it really matters and it like really doesn't matter. What matters is, you know, the people who are sparked by it. And the people who are like offended by it, it doesn't matter. You, you know, like because it's about motivating the doers. And anyone that wants to sit around and talk, they're doing too much time. They're taking too much time talking shit about it instead of getting up off their ass and following their dreams. Because I'm here to follow my dreams, you know, and help other people follow their dreams and inspire people who are dreamers. It's crazy that we live in a world that if you're super positive and super creative, that it's scary. So what does that tell you about the mentality of most people? If you're scared of like positivity and creativity. So um, first of all, any idea who that is? I don't. So I was on my bike and I'm like, wow, that's really, I, I just, I, I, I connected with it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and excuse the bleeps, it's Kanye. Oh, Kanye. And I, um, my judgment hat firmly on my head. I can't stand the guy. Okay. But I you didn't. You can't stand what I you can't think stand the guy what is. I think he is mm -hmm. and what he portrays. Because we've never met him. Never met him. But, um, but it's funny because this, the phone was in my pocket and I couldn't, if I would have saw it and then listened to it, I may have had a different take. But because I'm calling myself out here. Yeah. But because I didn't know who it was, I'm like, that's really intuitive. Oh, and yeah. uh, so, anyways, I just love the fact that, you know, you think you know somebody. And you don't. And that doesn't mean that I still don't connect with a lot of the things the guy does. But Well, it's the thing that we've mentioned on the show a lot of times. There are things that pull people, not just teenagers, but people to Kanye. And we can say, well, he's, so, you know, he's got such an ego. He's so annoying. You know, he took the microphone from Taylor Swift. And we just close the door and say we're not going to listen to anything else the guy has to say. Yeah. And it's an unfair assessment because there is something he does or says or creates that moves people. Yeah. We don't have to say I love him too or buy his albums, but we don't need to hate him yeah like that i think is a talk about wasting your energy because we don't know him and he it, it's funny because i didn't know that was kanye but the two things i wrote down listening to it was exactly what we're going to talk about now using your energies wisely he's trying to put something out that's creative and he gets a lot of negative feedback yeah. but who's using their energy wisely there right and the other thing is is he said we're so afraid of positivity and creativity, and that is the issue that Brene Brown was able to find, able to uh, articulate through research, is that the f the feeling we're most afraid of is joy, and that we actually don't know how to practice being comfortable and joyful. We prefer to be uncomfortable and in misery. Mm -hmm. And I know people hear that and say, no, I don't, no, I don't. But how often, when you're feeling a good feeling, do you sabotage it? Or allow all these feelings of, you know, like you on the paddleboard. Yeah. You're actually out there on the water, early morning, beautiful, horizon in front of you with your friend, open day. And 
your what took over was fear. Yeah. Now what you were able to do was say this is not real. Yeah. I'm going to breathe through this, but that is how our brains unfortunately are hardwired a lot of the time is I don't know if you guys remember the show we did a year or two ago about being above the line or below the line. Mm-hmm. And it's just this, uh, the conscious leadership uh, organization created this analogy of you're either above the line or below the line, above the line, you're open and creative, below the line, you're negative and afraid, and you feel like the world is on your shoulders. And the thing that they say that's so important is we are wired to go below the line Mm -hmm. because we have to survive. But when you recognize you're below the line, we have the capacity to go back up above the line. It's almost like gravity pulling you down, Mm -hmm. but you can always fly yeah you know there's always that option i feel the need to uh quote marianne here williamson yeah her most famous quote i just think it's important again yeah really because there's a lot of people who have listened to us once this is their very right but i'm sure they've heard marianne's quote but i am always open to it i'm willing to bet there's thousands of people that have no idea who marianne williamson is and her quote. You live in this world that you think everybody reads the books that you do and watches Oprah. Well, this is a pretty famous quote. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. Yeah. If you've never heard that quote, shoot me an email just so I could be right and I'll forward it to, <laughs> my, needs to, win. to my sweetie. Um, well, and also one reason that I'm happy that you would read it is number one, like you said, it is powerful. Number two, a lot of times- And Nel- it's re- it relates to what we're talking about, but go ahead. And a lot of times people think that Nelson Mandela said it and he oh, really? didn't. Marianne Williamson said it. She wrote it in her book. And Marianne drops the mic and say, hey, take that Mandela. <laughs> I don't think she does that. Um, so we are going to, oh, real quick. Um, one of our listeners did a top 10, like her top 10 favorite podcasts. Yeah, that was cool. And one kind of flaw, in my opinion, on our website is that if somebody's new, they don't really know where to start. We don't have like, this is where you start. You just kind of jump in where you jump in. If there's any listeners here that have their top favorite or the top few favorite podcasts, we would love to compile a list of the ones that were the most meaningful to them. So if you have any, shoot me an email at comments at zenparentingradio.com and we'll start building that list up. Okay. All right. So... Using your energies wisely. Um, And again, I got this from Rob Bell's podcast, I think from last week, but I was listening to it again this morning. And he gave this great analogy of um, how sometimes he was at this hotel once and it was like really cold. And so it was like 30 degrees outside, but the hotel prided itself on keeping the, the, pool outside at 83 degrees at all times okay because it was kind of like its selling point yeah, like yeah. it's cold this is but how they you differentiate the themselves but he said he had like really deep thoughts about the fact that it would be so cold and he would watch that pool and the steam would just yeah. rise from it right. and it was like energy wasted mm-hmm. not not because it isn't a nice thought to have everybody get in the pool but not a lot of people were using that yeah. pool And so it was just steam rising from the pool and he viewed it kind of as energy not being utilized the best way. If nobody's in it, it's a waste. It's a waste. And 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 they may not think so, but it was just a good visual for him. And so he's he Todd's gonna play a clip where he's talking about how we can use our energies wisely and when we don't use our energies wisely, how they show up. So this is Rob Bell. He's gonna be at our conference in 2017. Here we go. And we live in a world where we're bombarded by people who are worked up over the new Mumford and Sons album and how it's with electric guitars, not acoustic guitars. No, please don't get worked up about that because it's a reflection of how you understand your sacred, God-given, holy, precious energies. What you give your energy to is a reflection of how you understand the value and worth of your power and energy. And this is not about ego. It's about engagement. It's not about being arrogant. It's about being focused. So the real art then is to find the greater thing. And this is actually the thing that can help you when you get stuck and you realize I am burning. There is just steam pouring off this pool. I am burning precious resource, precious energy here. I'm losing precious energy that could be spent for something. The question to ask is what's the greater thing here? What's the greater thing? Especially um, if you struggle with uh, perhaps addiction, perhaps you're easily distracted. Perhaps you have things, practices, destructive habits that are hard to be free from, uh, What's the greater thing? What's the greater thing? 
What's the thing I'm doing here? All right, there's Rob Bell. So a few things about that is that I liked when in the middle when he starts talking about this is not – sometimes we think of anything that feels good or serves us must be like selfish mm-hmm. or, you know, it kind of goes back to what was our first show about, self-care. Um, sorry, there's – your sister's texting me. You should have to I, – I was about to – problem solve, but I won't. I know. I'll say, doesn't that stink when somebody is trying to text you and you're trying to do something? I know. Well, it's, it, uh, I was, I, my phone, my a volume is turned on my phone because you didn't have your phone this weekend. Right. So I actually had to turn my phone volume on because <laughs> usually I depend on Todd to be the last line of defense with phone calls. But Todd lost his phone on the Superman ride. Batman, Great America. Get it Batman. straight. But I thought Batman was inside. Or no, that's, that's the dark night. That's the dark night. Okay, anyway, he got his phone back, so you guys don't have to worry. Yeah, everybody, it's okay. <laughs> don't worry. These are important You can things. fall asleep tonight. You don't have to expend your energies on this. And because... it's, what's funny is I always, I, I might ruin your train of thought, so remember where you okay, were. Okay, I remember, I remember. Um, I give my daughter such a hard time about taking care of their phone. Amen, brother. And it fell fell out of my pocket while I was on the And Batman, you couldn't right? have done a thing about it except well, not bring have, it. I could have secured it. JC always puts it in the cabinet on the other side of the ride. Cabinet? Cabinet. <laughs> and I think somebody's going to swipe it. So I always keep it because us guys have deep pockets. Uh-huh. You girls, your pockets are so shallow. Mm-hmm. The, the, these phones, are over half of them are outside of these girls' back pockets. Yeah. I don't understand that. But anyways. All right, go ahead. Okay. So basically, when something is enjoyable and it feels good to do, if it be to write something or to um, be kind to somebody or to live with compassion or to create art or, again, don't. Don't be too focused on career, everybody. You know, a lot of times when we talk about passion, everybody's like, how can I make money off of what I love? Just think about it. What feels good on an everyday basis? That's utilizing your energies in a good way. When it feels good to you and you're doing something that's good for the world, then it's good for the world. So you're using your energies. And the question is, it goes back to the illumination thing, because how do you know you're using your energies wisely? Because it feels so good. Okay, and not feel. I always have to do this with my college students, so I'm going to do it for you guys too. Not feels good like three glasses of wine feels good. Yeah. Not feels good like having two pieces of cake feels good because those feel good in the moment, but you don't feel good later. Well, one or two glasses of wine uh, feels good. Three or four, you're going to the escape. Well, and that's true. And I wouldn't even call those the feel good thing because that's not putting energy into the world. That is no. There's no problem with having a glass of wine. I'm not. There's no judgment. it's just about how is that feels good, but then how does that serve other people? Mm. And what we're talking about, like last night, I was watching a uh, Super Soul Sunday. Yeah, that guy was good, man. Uh, yeah, Jeff Weiner, who is the um, CEO of LinkedIn, he was last week, but I'm behind. I'm behind on my Oprah yeah. and my Ian La Fix Your Life. Um, but anyway, he was talking about how his whole mission statement for LinkedIn now is how to be compassionate to the client, how to be, com- and they're not even clients, to relationships, to everybody who's using LinkedIn, and how to be compassionate to his management team and everybody who works there. And you know what his approval rating is? 100%. 100%. How many, you know, there's always contrarians out there. Always. And the fact that this guy has none at his company is almost unrealistic. It's almost unbelievable. Yeah. Because what they do is how they get this information. It's usually people who are leaving the company or had some kind of relationship with the company. And you would think that- Can't please everybody. And some of them leaving have been let go. Yeah. And they still have that kind of relationship with him. Or attitude towards him or whatever. And it totally inspired me to re... Because he was talking about what his mission is, and I'm not going to be able to say it to you guys verbatim, but it was all about- being, I mean, I can't tell you how many times he said compassionate yeah. during the show. If there was a drinking game and we were drinking we when he said drunk. it, we would have been on the floor. But I, the point was well taken that he that is his mission and he's and he has a mission statement that he can recite to you. And I turned to Todd, who was doing something completely different, who didn't probably want to hear this at that point. But I said, that's what I want. Like, that's what I want our show to be because Todd's got his own business and I've got a little bit of my own business and you got your coaching and you've got JVI. But then this show is like the the grounding it's, agent of our lives. It's my passion. And 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 
with that understanding, we need to have, even though we have a mission, like the best predictor of a child's well-being is parent self-understanding. It's not a mission. That's just a, something it, cool to say. It, it, well, and it's the truth about the show. Right. It's not just something we say. It's what right. we live. But it is like, I want to dig deeper. Like, what is that? And mm-hmm. like, have that mission. So whenever we have questions about our family, about the show, about our other jobs, about each other, that's your guidepost. It's clear. Yeah. That's why people, that's why businesses families, people have mission statements. When they get stuck, they go back to it and say, is this in alignment? I have on my desk and on my vision board a, a, a mission statement that I created for myself that's very clear and makes me feel good when I read it. Like It took me a long time to talk about weeding something down and adding things. Like It's something that's really meaningful to me. And every once in a while, I'm like, I should rewrite this piece or that piece. It can change. It right. doesn't have to be set in stone. But it's something that I used to even do with the fifth graders that we worked with is I would have them come up with a mission statement about who they are. So they had that guiding light, that illumination yeah. that they could experience even when they they were having a hard time believing it. Right. They could look at that framed mission statement and say, that's who I am. Because we have to pull from that illumination right. and not just pretend it's not there anymore. So anyway, using your energies wisely, I, and again, going to what he said about, you know, so many people have all this energy to utilize and put into the world. And because they don't know how to use it, they do get angry about the new Mumford and Sons album. And they comment awful things on Facebook. And they say awful things to people on the street. And they think that everything going on in the school is bad and they their their energy or they go to the the sporting event and yell at the ref they have this energy that needs to be channeled it's steam coming off the water but they're not using it to help anybody yeah the energy gets expressed it it's does just, is it going to be expressed positively or negatively correct that's it that's it and what positively it, means it can't get it 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 can't not get out cuz it's energy yeah always in motion. We are energy and we're always in motion. So can we use our energies for the f- good feelings that we can create in ourselves? because we get the flashes, we know what works for us and then using it to help people in the world. And if that was the mission that everybody had, when people are like, oh, that would never work in businesses and that would never work for stockholders, we would create a whole different way of looking at things. Right. Our mission would no longer be that bottom line on a budget sheet. It would be, how is everybody being treated? And the thing that's interesting, Todd, is I bet you a million dollars, and I know the CEO of Costco would agree with me, that budget sheet would still be just as strong yeah. if we treated people well. Yeah. But we try and manipulate the system and make money. How It's so funny how this show turned into like money. Maybe it's because I've got Jeff Weiner on my mind, his CEO. Yeah. Because uh, that, that's kind of my, you know, you get you, all you listeners have heard this show probably a lot of times. That's Kathy and I struggle with that because I'm always trying to grow, and sometimes my intention is not 100 percent to better the wor- world to get better parents out there. I mean, that's most of it, but there is a selfish part of me saying. I need to pay for these girls' college tuition, and I need to... Or what I think is that you have been businessfied. You're a business major. I have been businessfied. You're right. You are a salesman at a company where you have to sell to make money, yeah. and you have been... That is your modus operandi. Yeah. Like You're like, if we're not making money we're, money, we're not successful. And my definition of success is completely different. It's not minus money. It's just that's the icing that's not the intention yeah. but i believe that's what comes but it's not why you do it right so again we're we're going through this too many times but use your energy wisely don't be steam on a pool yeah don't be a steamboat on a pool steamboat not steamboat oh. don't let the steam come off your pool in like unmeasurable ways where it's not that energy the problem isn't being with that utilized. i like the metaphor but the one part about it i don't like is mm-hmm. it just seems like a very peaceful thing like because the because the examples you just gave is you know people lash out and oh, they yeah, let that yeah. negativity out whereas just steam from a pool just kind of you're right it's it's not visually as strong yeah. as the examples we gave but I think why Rob used it because it was something he was able to connect with is that it's thirty degrees nobody's in the pool why is the pool heated to eighty three degrees and why are we expending that energy in a way that's useless. Yeah. You know, it's like going nowhere into the ethers and it's not doing anything. That's why I get so mad when uh, lights are 
are turned on and not turned off. Yes. I don't get mad. Get a little mad. I don't get mad. I invite our daughters to turn the lights off a lot. <laughs> you invite them and then re-invite them. Yeah. You send them lots of invitations. A lot of invitations. <laughs> All right, so let's go with not being heard in marriage. Okay. Um, I've been struggling in my marriage for five years. We've been at odds with some major changes in our lives. We had a daughter a year ago, and I left my job for about half of that time and was able to almost completely take care of our home life. Now that I've been back at work and almost got a promotion, so I'm dealing with new uh, challenges, Uh, a few months ago we've been struggling. I've been trying to explain that I need more help with all the home and family-related tasks. I packed up our entire house by myself to move, and I'm now unpacking it all, plus laundry, groceries, taking care of our daughter, etc. I always make sure he gets adequate sleep due to his being a police officer and really needing to be on his A game for safety. But on weekends, it sure would be nice if he let me sleep once in a while. I repeatedly sit down and try to explain my needs, and it gets better for a few days, and by the week's end, it all goes back to status quo, and I'm just getting more frustrated. I have to ask over and over for every little thing. It doesn't really help when I'm still the president of everything and he's just filling in once or twice. I need help or at the very least appreciation. I just don't know how else to get him to understand this and don't know how our marriage can continue if I'm never heard. I'm sure I've got some part in this as it always takes two, but I'm just really not sure what that part is and I don't know where to go. Okay, so- that's a. That's a wallop. This is how I want to answer this question. Sure. I'm going to make assumptions that these both of these people are healthy people, okay. that there's no emotional abuse or physical abuse, okay. and that right now they're just at a crossroads in regards to duties in the house and splitting up <clears throat> like tasks that need to be done and you know household CEO kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm saying that because if I – I'm going to look through that lens because – if there is any of the other, any kind of abuse or unhealthiness, then there's a totally different answer. Right. Okay. So I'm just going to focus on the health. If they are in a relationship where they can talk to each other and it's obviously not completely clear right now, but there's a healthiness to it, then there was something, again, I'm going to go to this interview I saw yesterday with this CEO guy. Um, Oprah asked him, Oprah asked this LinkedIn guy, tell me how you fire someone with compassion. And he said, what you have to do is before you approach them with what you're going to you know, say to them and either let them go or reposition them, you have to be sure that you know what you're doing and why. You have to be clear in yourself. You have to have conviction. And this is something that I'll share with you, writer, that I had to learn myself when I was talking to Todd. Because when we were first married, I wasn't sure what my role was supposed to be in the home. I was a career woman. I had gone to graduate school and I had a you know a job where I was had my office and I felt like really powerful. And then when I had children and I was at home and Todd was working, I fell back into a very traditional role of womanhood. And I wasn't sure if it was right, wrong, good, or bad. I didn't hate it. I didn't love it. I just didn't even know who I was in it. This is actually why I started writing. I had to figure out for myself who I was and what I really needed so I could approach Todd, not with, will you please help me? And can you see how much I'm doing? And guilt, but conviction of I can't do this. And when I say this, it didn't go beautifully because I approached him many times with a really wimpy or passive aggressive attitude. And and I'm not calling you a wimp. I'm just saying I was. Right. And so Todd would kind of be like, sure, I'll help you today. Mm-hmm. But he, I was not clear about it's not about today. It's about a complete reframe of how you and I partner in this home. Yeah. I don't really need help with the laundry. I need you to understand that laundry has to be done, period, by you or me. And it's not always my job. We One book that I really recommend to you, um, two books, listener, is... Playing Big by Tara Moore and Overwhelmed by Bridget Schulte. We've also had both of them on our show, so you could go back into our archives. You can do a search on our ZenParentingRadio.com and find it. What they write about that's so helpful to women is the historical and spiritual history of our relationship to the home and our relationship to our partners. And we are entrenched, if that's the right word, or enmeshed with an outdated way of being because we've 
you know, we now have so much more um, ability to be career oriented and be a 50-50 partnership. We don't depend on men for money anymore, yet we still have this outdated version of what it means to be a wife and mother in the home. And and I don't even think it's going to be clear for a long time. And then when it's clear, it'll be unclear again. You know, and like these my are things daughters that you and I still struggle with completely. from time to time. And I believe that when my daughters grow up, they're going to have to renegotiate that with whoever they partner with if they choose to do that. But why I'm saying this is because you need to first make sure you believe yourself. Yeah. If you think that you're asking him to help and that you're not doing good enough or that you're weak or that you're not pulling your weight or that you're not woman enough, he will feel that. And I'm not saying he's he's not a good man, but a lot of times when men feel that, they take advantage of that. Well, Don't you think, Todd? I, well, I do. And I think a lot of the times is, you know, when you and I struggled with all these things, it was because you, which is probably just like this writer who wrote this in, is she's you're trying to do everything. You're right. trying to be everything to everybody. You're trying to be a mom. You're trying to be a an employee. You're trying to be a wife. I'm trying to be sexy. I'm trying to be beautiful. I'm trying to be down to earth. I'm trying to be, you know, perfect on my timing. It, it's crazy what women are expected to and do. And what was confusing was that you you do that out of love for a long time. Mm-hmm. And then you realize this ain't working. Mm-hmm. But you know, you treat the people what you, you know, you, you teach them how to, to be treated. T- you, so, you teach people how to treat you. Exactly. So you were everything. You're a great wife. You're a great mom. You're great. But but you were also losing yourself in the process. Correct. But from my perspective, I didn't know that. Correct. And you kept doing most things all, you know, as a man, our job is to put bread on the table and all that. And as long as we do that, we're fine. Well, that's 50 years ago. That doesn't work at least for me anymore, and hopefully it doesn't work for many of the other families out there. But until this reframe happened between you and I, I'm just like, this is status quo. You keep doing everything. I'm going to let you keep doing everything because I think you're happy doing it. So you're speaking for her husband who he's not trying to be harmful or unloving or disrespectful. He just doesn't understand Mm -hmm. that the reframe needs to happen. Well, and and this is specific, but this is what she wrote. She said, I always make sure he gets adequate sleep due to his being a police officer. First of all, bless this man. You didn't say that strong enough. I always make sure he gets adequate sleep due to his being a police officer. Police officer. Okay. And bless your husband for being a police officer. But it sounds like this may not be fair. It may not come out right. But it sounds like she's talking about a fourth child. Like, I need to make sure that he... What about you? You need to make sure you have enough sleep. So you're a good mom and wife and employee. And this man needs to make sure that he's taking care of himself. But he also needs to make sure that your needs are getting met. And it seems like it's a one-way street. That's all. Right. Absolutely. And these are our things where we have all these these structures put in place in our mind based on our upbringing and history and society where we will say things like, I'm going to make sure. And I did this with you, Todd, you know, when I'd be getting up in the middle of the night with the babies and I'd be like, but I can't wake up Todd. You know, I will be exhausted and sleep two hours, but Todd's got to sleep eight hours. And and while there's some truth to that, if he's the one getting, and especially her husband is a police officer, he needs to be. That's a whole nother right. layer to it. That's a whole nother layer. But there is a give and take there. Well, the where, weekends. He's now working on the weekends. Right. Or is can she go to bed earlier or he go to bed earlier and he takes over? Like there is a way to negotiate that. And, and the negotiation needs to ha- happen from a place of love because if it is annoyance like you almost like i i would suggest you do this out on a date when you're not in the in the heat of it yeah, for sure eating good food drinking a glass of wine if that's your thing when things are good because if you're doing this when you're annoyed and you have kids yelling at you and you're doing laundry and you're you're answering an email from work it's not going to work gonna you work. need to be in a good place for this conversation to happen how about this language cuz i keep writing this compassionate conviction complete understanding of your husband's perspective and that he also has historical baggage and family baggage about what men do. So while we carry the women's baggage, the men carry the men's baggage. So we don't attack them and say, you're doing it wrong. I'm doing it right. You're saying, here's how I'm seeing things, but we aren't our parents' generation. So you and I, it's not about what other people are doing. You and I need to create a new normal in our home. And And if he says, well, what does that mean? What does that look like? Say, let's just start with some simple things like 
Todd, you just said, on the weekend, I'm going to sleep yeah, in. it's my turn. And you do this. Or um, every other day, you do a pickup at night or drive the girls to hockey or whatever. And what's weird is we've done this before, you and I, and it's weird how things fall back to the way they were. It's yes. really conviction. You just use that word, right? Mm-hmm. This needs to be a conviction from both parties because I, you'd be like, I'm melting down. I need help. I'd be like, all right, I'm going to... Um, Thursdays are all mine. You don't have to do anything. You go do it. And then like a month later, we'd be like, whatever happened to that Thursday plan? Right. You know, well, you just kind of fall into old patterns. Here's another thing to keep in mind. He is not doing you a favor. You are coming to agreement on this together. He, Because I always kind of feel like in the home, and it's still like this, and some of this I accept because Todd and I have devised a plan in our home that works, but I still feel like I'm the last line of defense with the girls. You are, absolutely. Um and that's something that I have embraced because we have divided up so many other things that I'm like, okay, you know, you're the last line of defense with the money. Money, sports, and the dentist. Those are my three <laughs> things. You have 333 things. Well, it's the last line of defense, not necessarily that I'm in charge of all of it because right. you're driving them here and there. We're, we've divided, we've had a lot of combat, compassionate conviction in yeah. our house where it's not, I'm not asking you to do me a favor. Right. I'm saying you and I together need to create a new plan because if your husband thinks he's doing you a favor, that you're not really, that this isn't really a normal thing or that you're just not doing well enough, then that's going to that's gonna lead to the same outcome over and over again, which is it's going to fall off the radar. It's completely, it's like, it's like planting new seeds yeah. and watching them grow and understanding they need to be nurtured and cared for. And if it comes to yelling or deciding, you know, being defensive and making one person right and one person wrong, that's when the challenges are going to come Yeah, up. this is not a quick fix. Reframe no. is the word that reframe. you use. This is a complete reframe, and it's not going to be a perfect reframe. You're going to have to readdress it a day from now, a month from now, a year from now, whatever it is, because that's what marriage is. That's what marriage is. You know. Anyways. Renegotiation. You know, and when you have dinner together at night, like saying to each other as you're cleaning up or whatever, how'd we do today? Yeah. You know, not not him saying, hey, honey, how'd I do today? Give me a gold star or you judging him, but together, yeah. how did we do? Yeah. Because it how's doesn't- How's it working? How's it working between us? This is what we always talk about on this show with balance. I am not overpowering Todd. I am not in charge. He is not overpowering me. He is not in charge. We are trying our best to be equal. There are some days he is more in charge and there's some days where I'm more in charge, but it's not a role we play. And so if you can understand that it's not going to be perfectly balanced, um, but, and go easy on yourself. So compassion is not just about toward the other person, it's toward you. Compassionate conviction. I like that, sweetheart. Yeah. All right. Um, our last partner is Jeremy Kraft from Avid Company, painting and remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area, 630-956-1800. And then I also have some words of wisdom. Oh, we have four iTunes reviews, but I don't have them here. So I'm going to say my words of wisdom, and then you come up with yours, and then I'll find the iTunes reviews. Okay. If there is no enemy within, then the enemy outside can do us no harm. What'd you think of that? You're reading, you're trying to do it again. If there is no enemy within, then the enemy outside can do us no harm. I like it. I like it a lot. I like it. I think that is, you know, this will be my words of wisdom based on what you just said. All right. I said to Todd yesterday that our tree outside our house has been talking to me. And when I say that, don't be afraid, everybody. I don't mean it literally. I, it doesn't have a mouth. This is not, a, you know, I'm not seeing things. But sometimes when I sit in my meditation area, I look at our tree. It's right outside of our window. And I was having, I've had a lot of, uh, felt weighted down because of our political climate right now. I think a lot of us have. And I opened my eyes after meditation. I looked at the tree and I felt as if it was saying, Everything for me has been the same. I've been standing here, breathing, taking your air, sharing my air with you, enjoying the squirrels. Nothing has changed for me. The only reason you're overwhelmed is your thoughts. So that's tree wisdom. That is tree wisdom. Nice job, sweetheart. I love trees. Did that make sense? As you know, I I didn't listen. Oh, okay. I was looking up the (laughs) iTunes reviews. Oh, are you going to read them? Yeah. Don't we have to go? Usually you're the time guy, but... I know, but you get... You've, you said don't worry about time, so okay, I don't worry good. about it. Okay, good. I'm glad we're not worried. Um, so thanks to uh, Steph FIC. She says we're number one priority podcast. Uh, Brooke said we're a must listen, five stars. Uh, beginner in yoga, five stars. And Grateful Parent, awesome podcast, five stars. 
If you want to get your uh, name or whatever, your iTunes handle on the podcast, give us a review. So thanks. Thanks for listening, everybody. This was a this was a deep show. Yeah, it was. It was good, though. Okay. So you guys keep trucking. Have a good week. Adios. Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening. We appreciate it, and we hope you'll join us next time. If you're a fan of Zen Parenting Radio, consider leaving us a review on iTunes. This helps people find us. You can also just tell a friend about our show. That's our favorite kind of marketing. Todd and I do speaking engagements about Zen parenting and self-awareness, so if you have an interested group or organization, contact us at comments at zenparentingradio.com. And get your early bird tickets for our big Let's Get Real Zen Parenting Conference February 24th and 25th at the Westin in Lombard. Todd and I will be speaking Friday night, and we have Rob Bell, Rosalind Wiseman, and Ali Smith as our keynotes on Saturday. If you want to know more about self-awareness or conscious parenting, pick up one of Kathy's award-winning books at zenparentingradio.com or Amazon. If you're a guy, I have two resources for you. I coach guys. It's called Coaching for Guys. <laughs> On the phone, Skype, or in person, we set goals together and come up with a plan to meet those goals. The website is toddadamscoaching.com. And we also have a monthly men's group. So if you're looking for a group of men to have authentic conversations with, check out the tribemensgroup.com. If you ever shop on Amazon, you can help us out by first going through the Amazon link on our homepage. It doesn't cost anything to you, but we get a small commission from Amazon. If you want an amazing vehicle to teach your kids about money management, go to the lower right-hand side of our homepage and click on the FAMZOO logo and enter Zen Finance as a promo code. I want to give a special thanks to our three partners, Tree of Life Chiropractic Care, John J. Kelly Dentistry, and Avid Painting and Remodeling. Thanks for your love and support. Keep on trucking.